Hello again. What's up, psychos? Oh, man, you hear that? The voice is fully back. It's in sync. It's been, it's starting, it's going. I'm, there's definitely a phrase that I'm trying to think of to say that I can't, but it's here. It's in full force, right? Is that, you know, when you, you want to think of an exact phrase you've definitely heard that sounds really good. Um, and then you can't think of it when you're recording and that pisses you off and makes you want to do it all over again and then look it up. But like, how are you going to look that up on Google? Like a synonym to in full force, full swing. I think it's like full force, full swing, something like that. Got to get a better vocabulary. I'm 26 and my brain is only gonna get worse that feels good anyway happy new year everyone i hope you had a great new year's eve maybe you did a lot maybe you did nothing either way it sounds great to me i went to a concert uh took an electric scooter back home kind of drunk at 2 a.m fell but it's okay i'm good um saved money on uber though was it worth it Definitely. Uh, today, I'm doing a quick one, super quick. Uh, no ads to read. I'm going to read those next week instead. Um, today, we got Regan Smith. He is a former NASCAR driver and now a broadcaster for Fox NASCAR. He is uh, awesome. I got to interview him last minute in North Carolina before I went on a flight, which is good because the person I was supposed to interview yesterday her plane's engine exploded on the tarmac and so she couldn't get into LA and so I would have had no episode and then I probably would have talked to you guys for 30 minutes and some of you would have liked it and others would have loved it but no one would have hated it no one but he's great um if you've never watched NASCAR or been interested in it at all i think this will be a good kind of intro into people that want to get more into it if you do watch nascar it's a interesting interview with regan and kind of seeing how he started out and what led him to where he is right now where he's more of a broadcaster than a racer even though last season he raced for 11 uh 11 different races which is pretty cool uh yeah besides that it's good. Check it out. He he will start broadcasting. I think I think he says at the end of the episode this February 17th is the first race that he'll be covering. So check him out for that one. Check him out online at Regan Smith on Instagram and Twitter. And besides that, enjoy the show, dude, okay? So, hear the words that you love to hear. And I keep saying it like this every time cuz it feels legit. Without further ado, here is Regan Smith. Are you crazy? Are you crazy? We are all psychos. With Dylan Palladino. Regan Smith's here. We know him from NASCAR, especially people that watch it. Know him from there. People that don't are getting introduced to NASCAR right now, which is pretty cool because uh, I think a lot of people that listen to this uh, maybe haven't watched NASCAR that much. Um, well, I hope after this, maybe they want to. They hope, do want to listen or I, watch it. Watch and, it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, maybe listen. Do do people? I mean, people listen on the radio to what's going on with it, right? Yeah, I, you know, I think as as times changed and and things have evolved, TV is definitely where most yeah. people go. And and you know, it's strange because the world we live in, everybody wants everything now, and everybody wants everything like, right. so quick. So yeah. you know, you can hop on Twitter and watch the last ten laps of a race now. And that's and, all you need, and that's you know, that's what we're fighting against. A lot of people do that, um, but nonetheless, the sport hasn't really changed that much. It's still uh, it's still the same thing that it was when I grew up watching it mm-hmm. and when I was involved with it. Uh, it's just the world, you know, the world evolves. Do you, th- how, how have you guys tried to, because you were doing NASCAR and then now, uh, you're a broadcaster for Fox, right? How, how have you guys tried to combat, 
um, the fact that people are just going to hop on Twitter or Periscope or something and just watch the 10 laps? Because, I mean, I haven't watched it that much. The, the last 10 laps are basically the most important part or... Typically, the end. yeah, yeah I mean, obviously, the last ten laps are always important because uh-huh. it's the end, and and you know people want much like a football game. If you know a football game mm-hmm. is is ten to ten, and you know they're they're down to the last minute, you're going to click to that game to watch yeah, that yeah. game. If if you've got the ability to you know to get to whatever channel, yeah, red is. zone, right, shelling out one fifty yeah. for red zone. <laughs> so you know we fight that same thing. If if people know the race is getting pretty close, it's getting exciting. Certain you know, certain racetracks breed that excitement and, and force you to, to watch a little bit more, a little bit longer. But okay. I, I don't know that you can combat it. You know, it's just, that's the, that is how things are now. It's people people is, want yeah. it now and they want that exciting finish and they don't, you know, they don't want to see somebody lap the field. When I was a kid growing up, I wouldn't care if, if a car went out and, and lapped the entire field and, uh, you know, you would embrace, you they're just in front of everyone, just beat everybody by a lot, you know, win, win the race by 10 seconds, win the race by 20 Jeez. seconds. Is that, is that it's really hard be. to do? I'm guessing. It's extremely hard to do, and, yeah. and the sport is so competitive now. It's tougher to do now than ever. So, you know, I think back years ago, you would embrace that when it happened, uh-huh. and and as things have evolved, it's kind of like people look at that and they say, "Wow, this race wasn't very good because it wasn't yeah. close at the end." And and that's you know that's the the constant battle that that we all fight. If a football game's fifty to twenty, well, nobody's going to watch a game. No one's that's watching 50 to twenty. Yeah. I, I remember a Super Bowl I went to. That's actually when I met no one, you, yeah, you, and did. and it was like fifty to twenty, or it felt yeah, like that it anyway. Pretty so, sad. Um, yeah. So all sports, you know. But then you have like basically. what happened with New England the last year or two years ago where they came back from nothing and that was probably one of the best football games I've ever seen in my life. I think I'll be honest I had a I threw a Super Bowl party at my house and people left at halftime. Dude, Everybody people, was leaving. Everyone le- I threw a party too in my apartment. Everyone left my apartment yep. but one guy. And I remember when they were leaving I was like wouldn't it be wild if they came back and all you guys were pissed cuz you missed it. I said I, I said I don't give a shit about you guys Drew and I we're staying, we're watching this game, and then for the next 20 minutes, we just kept saying, there's no way, but repeatedly. The, but was it the best part of that, though? The simple fact that, okay, you throw a party, you're entertaining, you're having yeah. to wine and dine people, you're not really paying good attention to the game, it's exactly. a blowout. Everybody leaves, you sit down to watch the game for a minute, and it's like, hey, you know what, this worked out really well, because oh, I perfect. can actually watch it and enjoy it. And, and, you didn't have to think about anything, yeah, didn't have to, it, didn't have to was, get people other stuff. Yep, it was so. It was kind of a blessing in disguise that happened. It that really way. was for the, for the people that were hosting the party. Yeah, the pe- exactly. The for people the people that, left that were driving home during it or on the train. Oh sucked. my god, driving home <laughs> and listening to it on the radio. Oh, it'd be miserable. Jeez, man. Perhaps one of the greatest Super Bowls of all time. Super, I mean, I think the best Super Bowl I've watched. The only one that that uh, go is on that level is when I watched in New York City in a bar. Eli throw the pass. That beat the Patriots, I think, 2012. Yep. When the Patriots were like, "Oh yeah, we've won," and then Eli Hale married it. The helmet and then catch. The the famous helmet catch, and the I still have the video on my phone. The bar <laughs> going insane. Like, I'm mean, granted. Last year, one of my friends went to Philly. Were they going insane because Eli? Threw a ball that was actually caught. I think that or was were part they of going it. insane. I think that yeah, the Giants. they were I'm just curious. like Eli did it, and they're like, oh shit, we actually won the Super Bowl I too. Yeah. I'm a big Eli and Peyton fan, and and as a Broncos fan, Peyton, you know, yeah, he, yeah. he brought the, he was, the Broncos yeah, the Super the Bowl and, and did so many cool. Everyone things, shits on Eli, and we all know why. But uh, <laughs> but he also is an enigma of a guy where like it seems like in the uh, the moments where you need him, a lot of times. It, it it almost you have it feel like you have to tell him at the beginning of the game that he's already losing by forty and then he'll step in. Into- then he plays better. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Just, yeah. just make the spread really ridiculous. Horrible. And he'll he'll make sure he covers it one yeah. way or another. Yeah. Or just make him always going against his brother or something like that because he <laughs> he actually has more rings than his brother, right? Uh, I think they got the same now. I think okay. they both have two. Oh, okay. Which yep. is it was wild for a minute for a that, while. He yeah. Did, that though. Eli. Well, I mean, Peyton is like arguably the is the better um, quarterback, but. Eli had more rings. I think they're, you know, I think they're both destined Compr- for the Hall of Fame. Yeah. When it's all said and done. I mean, for you sure. look, at, you look at how he steps up in big games, and hundred percent. It's, uh, you know, big time players make big time plays, and and that's what he would do when it, when it when it was necessary. So, I mean, he's got um, two some of the most famous Super Bowl endings of all time. He's got the helmet catch, and he's got another last minute ending against the Patriots. Yep. Which is is gonna that team? You I may know. have my years mixed up on that too. Now that I think about it, what year was mm. the helmet catch? Was the first one that he won? I think the helmet catch was the first one. That one I didn't watch. 2012 was another hail mary that I think he just caught. 
Um, I don't. I don't think it was the. I'm gonna have to look back at yeah. those now because I. Yeah, I, rem- I remember him having two. Uh, Hellman Catch, two I pretty... think, was like three years earlier, maybe 2009. That sounds about right. Yeah, yeah. and then the that, but 2012 was another Hail Mary. And well, I'm sure once once people listen to this, they will correct. They me will. On they will. They will exactly, make sure I know hit this you is up. when exactly. it happened. Hey, this Regan. Is how it happened. Yeah. I, yeah. Exactly. I know this. This is why, <laughs> why I broadcast race cars, not football. <laughs> exactly, I not like football. football, but I'm not smart yeah, enough yeah. about it. <laughs> people know a lot. Uh, well, how did the how did the the Regan Empire start? How how did this all uh, begin? When did the I don't know first time you got in a car? How how did you know you wanted to do this? Um, man, the first time I got in a car was probably mm-hmm. I don't know the exact year. I'm going to call it '88, maybe. Okay. And and I was I was four and a half years old, maybe five. Jeez. And actually, I was four and a half when I started. I was five when they let me actually race. But I started practicing at four and a half, which is it's crazy for me to think about right now because I got a I got a almost four well, year old four and a half at home in a car practicing in a it was what it's called as a quarter midget and it looks okay. or it was a micro rod but it's the same thing as a quarter midget and okay. it's just a shrunk down race car had a roll cage had a full suspension and they raced them in upstate new york i was what? we lived we lived just outside of syracuse at the time and that's where i'm from originally okay and started racing them and practicing them and I guess it would have been September of 88 when I turned five that, that I ran some races and Holy went, crap. I went for two, three years without losing a race um, Seriously? And, and just won everything. And, and it was uh, for whatever reason, I just took a liking to it and, mm-hmm. and was good at it. And, and as I said, it's crazy for me to think about cause my little boy's almost four yeah. and like, he doesn't have that driving ability yet. Like okay. I put him on a, I put him on a big wheel or you I put him see, on a bike and yeah. How he's doing. I, like I'm terrified. Like, hey, take a left here, buddy, and, and we just keep going straight into the wall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, um, but but I started then, and you know, as things progressed, kept moving up, kept mm-hmm. bracing different different stuff, and uh, at some point we moved to North Carolina, and we moved to North Carolina for uh, family business reasons, okay. and and it was partially because of racing, because it looked like maybe I'd like to go you down that path. It. Yeah, I mean, it, you don't know. When we moved down here, you're 12 years old. You don't know what you're going to do. You don't know yeah, you're 12, the path you you're going to take. It's it's early. You but know? it and is Race City, USA, Mooresville, right? It is, yeah. and, and it seemed like the best spot to be. And, and quite honestly, I didn't I didn't know where I was going to go with it. I was, you know, I was probably older when I thought, man, I'd really like to be a race car driver. I mean, mm-hmm. I think I wanted to be a race car driver by the time I was seven or eight years old. And and there was a driver named Davey Ellis, and he was my hero. I mean, uh-huh. I absolutely loved him. And he had the the neon paint scheme race car. He was a, a younger guy, yeah. and and uh, unfortunately, he passed away pretty early on in mm-hmm. his career. But but that was when I was like, hey, this is this is pretty cool. Something you can do. You were like, I I can do this for a living and make money. Right. And and but I didn't know that that's what I was gonna do until I was older. I, I would say almost until probably somewhere around. I don't know, 17 years old. I was getting ready to go to college. I, I graduated uh-huh. really young. Okay. And were you young was, for your grade or you were just killing it? I was killing it. You're I'm super, super it, smart, oh super human gene. No, I'm just kidding. He's I was doing math right now as he talks. I was, <laughs> I was young for my grade. Math, I could do yeah. in my sleep. You give me English yeah. or anything like that. Oh, yeah. oh it was just brutal. Like, me too. I, I math and science, I was great. And then yep. English, I, you know, I hated it because it was so open ended. Right. Math, it's like, it's either you're right or you're, or you're wrong. wrong. That's it. Science, definition. Well, if you have a teacher that doesn't like what you're saying or doesn't understand exactly. what you're saying, then all of a sudden you get a bad grade. You're like, well, this is kind of bull. I had that so. in college, too, where I tried to argue this point, and the guy basically was like, I don't believe, like, he gave me counterpoints and was like, I don't believe in what you're saying. <laughs> it, because he he was in the opinion of opposite of like it was a political statement and he was right. of the opposite opinion even though so, what you said or what you wrote might have been some merit perfect yeah it wasn't somebody. a d yeah. it was like maybe a b minus but he's just like these three things but and he was also a ta so you know all those well, tas in worse. college yeah they're just pissed that they're not professors but i was like dude come on man well see but i, I got to the point where i was about to go to college mm-hmm. and, and believe it or not i had to get a tetanus shot right to go to college and i wasn't up to date on my tetanus oh shot. yeah you have to get all your you gotta yeah. make sure all your immunizations and all that stuff are, are up to date mm-hmm. and i got ready to go do that and i'm like man i hate shots i really don't want a shot right now and i, and I just got one. thinking about it i was you know i was accepted into college and everything was going down that path and i said i'm the hell with it screw it. i'm gonna take a year see where the racing thing goes damn well a year became what i'm 35 now so a year became basically 17 Almost, 18 yeah. years something like Almost that 20 coming up on 20 right damn. and and haven't gone back to college and <laughs> kept doing the racing thing and, and i got a lot of lucky breaks right like yeah it, it, and i don't know people have different opinions of luck to me you make your own luck a lot of times and yeah. you know i was i was grinding it out i was you know doing stuff that that just didn't make any sense to me at the time 
but kept doing it and kept pushing hard and kept trying to get the right opportunities. Right. Kept wearing people out. It didn't feel right. It felt oh, wrong. Really? I mean, you know, enough doors get slammed in your face and it's it's discouraging as hell. And that's not just, you know, racing. That's any business. That's any industry. That's me. any sport. And uh, it just, for whatever reason, a couple things clicked and I got a couple good opportunities and, and a, lot of, a lot of friends over the years, which um, helped make that happen. People that I'd met years ago or people mm-hmm. that I just kept in touch with and, and, and always kept those relationships open. And it, you know, as it all played out, uh, I got those couple breaks that allowed me to get into, you know, different race cars. And, yeah. and next thing you know, you're running in the cup series and uh, I, I definitely... When I got there, I moved up too soon, and and I knew that. But there was there was other reasons for having to do that, mm-hmm. um, and it uh, you know one thing led to another, and and it's what I kept doing. Jeez, yeah, the the luck thing, I I, I agree that luck's this weird word, or this this weird notion that we have uh, that it just kind of happens to someone, and then all the things fall in the right place. But I th- I think a lot of it is trying to be in that place right. multiple times and it not hitting and then finally certain opportunities open or all these different things that you've been working on they compound and they all kind of work at the same time and you're ready for it even right. though you kind of said you weren't maybe fully ready to move all the way up you excuse me you'd been working making these relationships so the whole luck thing was just everything you had set in place finally uh the ignition starting to make a, a dumb right. metaphor, but 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 I mean, like you said, you'd been just said no. Okay, so when you so when you stop, where were you going to go to college? Uh, UNC Charlotte. Okay, you're going to go to UNCC. Going to stay stay around here. I uh-huh. wanted to stay around here because I wanted to keep racing, and and you know, if I move away to go to college somewhere, that makes that more challenging because yeah. our race shop was here, and and all the. All the NASCAR race teams are based in the Charlotte area. Were your so parents involved in racing at all? They were when I was younger. Um, okay. And in terms of they, my dad had owned dirt cars growing up, even before okay. I was born, uh, upstate New York. Nothing, nothing serious, nothing right? It was just well. Eventually, they did buy a professional team for just a little while. Oh, okay. And were involved, but it was it was a, a situation where they were trying to help a smaller team out, and it, it looked like an investment opportunity. Oh, okay. Yeah. They were, yeah. ended up really not really working, being expensive. Yeah. That was when we learned how expensive racing, <laughs> racing is. And is. It, it is this sport is you know i think that's one of the biggest challenges the sport faces is the cost even to start a kid off doing it and it's not like you know it's not like soccer where you go buy cleats and shin guards and a soccer ball and you can go play well racing you have to buy the race car but then you have to outfit the kid with the helmet the fireproof suit yeah what's like someone was trying to get in comes along what do you think would be their base price to get in i mean i know i mean it's such a it's such an open-ended question because you got you know, you got the kids that start off in go-karts. Well, then you got kids mm-hmm. that maybe start off a, a little bit older. I'll give you a prime example. There's a kid okay. in the Cup Series right now. His name is William Byron. Okay. And very talented race car driver. Is Cup he, Series NASCAR or, or Cup is NASCAR. It's okay. the, yeah. highest, the highest level of NASCAR. So oh, yeah, the Cup. Kind yeah, of yeah, our, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's our benchmark. Got well, it. Well, William Byron started racing when he was 14 years old. So he yes. waited really late. And, and to oh, put that's in perspective, late? I yeah. started when, when I was four. When you were four and a half. Yeah. And that's, there's a whole generation of drivers my age that started that young because we thought back then you had to. William starts at 14. Mm-hmm. He started with iRacing. He I raced online leading up to that. What's and I racing is basically our version of electronic um, uh-huh. sports or okay. esports. So you, you hop on a computer, you can have a desktop steering wheel that costs you a hundred bucks and, and you can go racing, or you can have these big elaborate simulators that cost ten thousand mm-hmm. dollars to go racing in them. Either way, one or the other still works. Like the kid that's been winning all the championships races on a little desktop steering wheel and dominates everybody. All Damn. the time. So he starts off with iRacing, mm-hmm. parlays that into, hey, I want to hop in a real car. Now, okay. fortunately, he had the opportunity and he had the, the funding to go Finance, do that. Yeah. But he started in, late, or in excuse me, in uh, um, Legends cars, which is, okay. a, it's more of a full-size race car. It's, it's, you're getting bigger when you get into those types of cars. A lot more speed, a lot more challenges when it comes to driving. Typically, you build up to that stuff. So he starts in Legends cars. And in a matter of four years, He's winning championships in in the truck series, which is basically AAA. Mm-hmm. He's winning championships the following year in the Xfinity series, which is one step away from going to the Cup series. Okay, and then he ends up in the Cup series. So every path is different, every way to to get there and and to say, okay, how much is it going to cost to to start racing? It just depends. As, as this thing evolves and iRacing gets bigger, yeah, I could see it in the future where we're pulling drivers out of iRacing, giving them opportunities in real cars to see if they're capable of it. 
Yeah, because I mean, and then going from driving a, an iRacer to an actual car is much different. Oh, it's completely different. Yeah, yeah. like just all the different variables that come in. But it is getting a lot of. I mean, you know, pilots do use flight simulators for ten thousand hours and then also fly. Right. So well, and and let's be honest with that. You know, I've talked to William numerous times. He was a teammate of mine for a year actually really? okay. when he was really young. And and I talked to him about it. Started at fourteen, yeah. Which is it's late. I mean, that's like that's like saying that a kid that wants to be a world class soccer player didn't pick mm-hmm. up a soccer ball until he was fourteen years old. That yeah, just doesn't right. happen. Yeah, it doesn't you know, happen. I, I think kids that play soccer they start at four four years old playing in their little youth leagues or at least kicking a ball around the field in their house yeah. or something like that. See, but I'm thinking about the legal driving age. <laughs> yeah, yeah well, but I guess for racing that doesn't really matter because. It's there's, completely different. There's, there's, you there's just, different rules. Yeah, you the race, insurances are different. Yeah, everything. exactly. You're racing it's, on a track. It's totally right. different. Closed circuit owned yeah. by somebody. And, exactly. And you can skirt a lot of that stuff. Most yeah. seri- uh, most of the series, though, you can't start until you're, you know, 14 is about the earliest you can. You can be reality. in series, though, at 14? For, you can be in full-size cars. There's, there's some kids that are in them even before then now. Seriously? Uh, they got to work with the maybe the sanctioning body or, or whoever runs the races. Mm-hmm. But they, they can do that. So, um, so. To, to answer the question, it was a long-winded yeah. answer. No, no, no. The, the cost is, it, it can be anywhere from $20,000 yeah. a year to as low as 100 bucks to buy an iRacing computer iRacer, yeah. and learn how to go racing. And and that's the that's the biggest thing, the biggest challenge that we face is how do we how do we maybe let the kid that is a great race car driver. There's, there's so many guys that I raced against growing up mm-hmm. that were better than me yeah. that never got the opportunity to go to the next level. Because of the capital? Whether it was the capital, whether it was yeah. they, they weren't able to raise the capital to do it, mm-hmm. whether it was just not getting the right break, putting themselves in the right position to get that lucky break, Part if you want to call it that. Yeah. yeah, so there's there's so much talent out there that never gets to realize the next level, and that's the biggest one of the biggest things we face is how do we how do we keep kids interested in what we do if it's so hard for them to get a chance to go do it? And um, you know, I think with with I racing growing up and, and getting bigger. Um, that's a way we can get everybody involved in the sport, get them intrigued and interested in it, and it, it's in its infancy. You know, are there we're, are racing we're the, leagues. And there are. I mean, they're yeah. all over the place. And, and I'll be honest, I don't do it currently, so well, I don't yeah. know how all of it works. And and it's something I've actually been looking at possibly getting back into Trying because it as it grows, I'm like, I need to understand this. And it looks like it'd be a nice hobby. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, I've got a lot of hobbies exactly. right now. They take a lot of time, and somewhere along their work has two to of be a them hobby are too. Called your kids, so yeah. The, the probably the two most important ones hobbies. are called my kids. Yeah. The third one would be my wife. wife and yeah, then, exactly. I mean, golf's in there somewhere. Hey, man, so you gotta do that you gotta too. Do them all. Yeah. So I'm a jack of all trades and a master of none. Yeah. Well, you know, that's I, I'm kind of a fan of that because it makes life, I think, a little more interesting than just focusing on one thing forever is there money in iRacing? racing do people make money on cups there is and they're they're they've just now started and and i'll be honest, i just read this this past week that yeah. there's there's a series that has started up that's going to pay the champion of three different series like twenty five thousand dollars each so Holy it's shit. It, it's like any of those esports i mm-hmm. mean esports are so far over my head of understanding and, and my realm of knowledge but they're getting giant they are and my brother-in-laws you know they understand all that stuff and i'll have conversations with them about it and uh, you know they can they can talk in terms I'd, I would never even dream of understanding with computer stuff, but but they know all about this stuff. And for Man, me, when I hop to... on when I hop on like DraftKings or something, and I see oh, esports yeah. on there, I'm like, okay, that tells you how big this is getting. It's now. on DraftKings. If yeah. you can go, if you're and, betting on it, and people right. are make if people are making a lot of money betting on it, then that means it's a big deal. I've seen arenas full of people. That's what I'm going to say. Barclays Center. Sitting there watching kids play video games. Barclays Center in New York in Brooklyn has sold out multiple days of people watching other people play Overwatch. And and it works out good for them because they're not going to sell out to have people watch the Nets. I mean, come on. Yeah, no one's going there for the Nets. But all these kids are coming out and uh, all these nerds, and I say it in a good way, are coming out or these dudes that love, dudes and girls that fucking love um, these games and love them so much that they're watching... It's like that guy PewDiePie who makes all that money online on YouTube yep. with people just or on um, Twitch or whatever with people watching him. People like. I think the thing is, people. Everyone thought that it wouldn't work out. They're like, "Who's going to watch someone play a video game?" But it's kind of it's a lateral move, but it's kind of like watching sports mm-hmm. because you're going, you're watching someone who's really good at the thing you maybe liked play it the best way. Right. Like you might have played basketball in high school 
you were okay at it, you knew a couple things, so you're interested in it, you have some kind of engagement in it, but then you weren't ever that good, but then you know someone who's been that good, you've been following him, and now you see him kill it. It can be the equalizer, too, in terms of, okay, a kid that was good at basketball, loved the game, played it, you know, growing up or whatever, but he wasn't six foot tall, or he didn't have some sort of attribute that, that it takes to play it professionally. Well, now all of a sudden he can play as this person that does have the attribute, but he can, 2K10 use, and he, yeah, he can use his hands and do exactly. it. And it's, uh, I, you know, this stuff's all mind blowing to, to see what it, where it's going and what it's, it's more doing. options for people to, sh- I think it's more options for people to shine, uh, despite other, uh, I, I mean, like all the media and, and digital things and technology in general is allowing people in many ways to shine and move past barriers that they had either because of location, um, money, or just physical attributes. Right. And they're able to, like you said, play that game and be really great. Um, make a bunch of money doing characters on some YouTube channel, but you know, they didn't, they couldn't fly out to LA or whatever, but now they can tour doing, it's like all these people are having these opportunities to show their thing and all they need now is basically a phone and then an internet compared to before where yeah it's crazy that we do everything on our phones now and it's that easy which i guess you got to be careful too because you know the whole world's watching it all times and and there's no you know i guess the only privacy you can get off in those woods but i'm sure there's a camera that can pick there's some camera over there yeah there's a drone no it's a drone that's all they need they just need a drone and they go on but yeah i mean that's what's good about having these woods around us to feel like you're away from it but yeah everything's on the amount of connect connection is, uh, I think, oh, it's almost too much. You don't Not realize even. how much it dominates our day. This is this is how I can put it in terms for me, or, or mm-hmm. when it really made sense to me. We had a home in Colorado, and we used to spend a lot of time out there. Yeah, but there was no internet. You couldn't get internet for it. The only thing you could do was get a like a Verizon Air card, and mm-hmm. that was the only way you could get internet up there. Well. We eventually canceled our Verizon phones because we had moved back to North Carolina. Yeah. Got AT&T. It didn't have service out there. So we went out there. And if you're spending a week there, you don't have any connectivity at all. You literally have maybe what you're watching on TV, but no internet, no ability to, to even call anybody unless you pick up a landline, which who, I mean, who uses a landline anymore? Nobody. I, I use a landline at my house only because I don't have good service there. Outside yeah. of that, nobody uses a landline anymore. I cannot remember the last time I used a landline unless it was at some kind of office. Well, I would spend more time at the mailbox because I got service at the mailboxes a quarter mile down the road on yeah. my phone trying to catch up with what's going on. And, and when you think about it, you're like, wow, we do everything. Everything's at the palm of our hands right now. And, and it, it's, uh, man, it's it's scary how fast it's moving. It, it's nice to go out there because you can cut it off, shut it off and it get good. away from it all. But, but it's also, also aggravating. It helps, though, because when you're – we're so connected that it's like you you can't miss someone anymore. There's no – like I miss you is – unless you haven't talked to someone for a month or two months. Right. Like you're, there's, you're always in contact. There's no – you know – Especially with like spouses and friends and stuff, sometimes you see them, and then, well, you were just talking to him fifteen minutes earlier on text, so it's good to see him in person. But right. I feel like it's totally changed up, um, just dating and relationships in general. And I mean both uh, platonic relationships and like uh, romantic relationships, because before you'd leave, hey honey, or even when you're dating, you know, like mm-hmm. like before, I can't even imagine what it would be like to date without texting because. <laughs> That's how I started. Right. I started with texting and AIM, and then that was it. You would talk to people all the time. And I remember my dad would come in when I was, I don't think, I don't know, 14, 15, and he would see me always talking to these these girls at like high school that I liked. And um, and it was one of those things where, you know, you're talking to them and you can't tell if they like just think you're, they're like your like nice friend or like they're into you, you know? And or if they're just trying to get you to quit exactly. talking to them. Yeah. yeah, one of those three. Yeah, which was... I still haven't really figured that out. And <laughs> I remember he would come and he'd be like, you know, or he would see them text me and then I'd immediately text them back. He's like, you should not text them for a little bit. Or he's like, you, should, you shouldn't you should always be... Play hard to get. And not even that. He's like, you shouldn't always be just ready. Right. Because then you're always there and you're... It's, it's not as much hard to get as I think it's accessible. You know what I mean? Because then it's not that they get, they get bored of you, but... You're there. You know what I mean? Oh, right. I can text him whenever. I can talk to... There's no appreciation for that time. Straight to the friend zone. Exactly. Your friend zone, <laughs> a thousand percent. Whereas if 
so you she girl texts you and you're like, hey, I'm busy. I'll call you later tonight. It's it's crazy, but oh, he's only gonna talk to me at this one time. Or even friends. It's like, oh, hey man, I'll see I'll see you on Friday. Right. You, remember, like you you could you would make plans on a Monday and then you'd see him on Friday. And then maybe you called him on Wednesday to say, Hey, this crazy thing happened to me. But that's pretty much it. So then that time you had, it meant more. Right. You know what I mean? Like imagine if well bef- now it's all group chats. It's all you know everybody, which is good. I mean, I guess you can you no, can it's get great. more. You get to spend more time. Facebook, yeah. I, believe it or not, I've never had Facebook either, but I, I hear it's awesome, and I hear you know that people good and also people like well, horrible. It, it was awesome. It's getting exactly. Back again yeah, it's now. getting it's, back. You know, it's all over the election, place. all that shit. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I do have Instagram, which I like Instagram. Instagram's I feel like good. that's where people go to be happier about stuff for for whatever reason. It's like you don't see all the negativity on there. You, you just, see more happy. Yeah, the thing of Instagram is that it's it can sometimes be. A platform for uh, fake success or fake right. happiness because it's only good things you're posting. But there's a lot of cute ass photos of uh, baby animals yep. and funny yep. videos of people falling. So you know you're How good. Many photographers you got- have started up in the world since Instagram. Do you think? I mean, literally, when I look on Instagram. How does everybody have the perfect photo with the perfect person taking the perfect picture of it at all times? Like that's got to be the most sought after job Every in the world right now. Every <laughs> friend has someone with a camera who knows a little bit. Of some has someone with like a DSLR who knows a little bit about it yep. and knows how to take angles. And it, oh no, it's crazy. And then people will. I mean, you'll be able to tell. I like the I like the crash videos though. Like if they're waiting for that wave just to crash just right, and then it knocks the person down, and their beach photo is them a video of them crashing into the water. That's the best, yeah, th- those are my favorite. No, anyone like uh, trying to pose, and you see them, and you know what they're doing, <laughs> and you're like, dude, come on, man. Just and you take a video of yeah, them trying like, to pose. No, I'm sh- yeah, I'm showing you. I'm showing what you look like. So more people are going to laugh at this than your your photo of you on the beach that you're not going to post for three more weeks. That's perfect. Yeah, it's. I, I think it's good and bad. I just think, in terms of, I was just thinking about relationships. Like, I think there's a there's a danger now to where if you first start talking to someone, I mean, you've been you've been married, so, uh, and I don't. How long ago did you meet your wife? Uh, I'm, I'm well, I've fourteen. We were talking about this the other day. Fourteen. We started dating about fourteen years ago, almost fifteen years now. Jeez, it's been a okay. long time. Which we dated for seven years before we got married. So we've been okay. married. Married seven years, eight years this year. Okay, but so you met around 2003, you're saying? Roughly, yeah. Roughly around 2003, okay. Yeah. And so so when you guys... We first... met before then. We actually met in high school, and oh. then we didn't start dating until after that. Okay. But see, yeah, but, but, so, but when you first started seeing each other, phones were a thing, but it was like texting every now and then, right? Oh, you had to call. So, okay, yeah, so you, you were had calling to call her. and sit so on the damn... you had to hear that person's voice. But it would get aggravating, too, because you'd be on the phone for like an hour and a half no, at night. Yes. And at one point, you're just sitting there like, nobody's talking. I'm watching TV. I'm playing a video game, but you're on the phone with them. Whereas, you know, I guess maybe the... the positive do a text message you can just shoot that text set it back down go go back to what no, you're doing that's what's great. but i but i understand what you're saying like you don't hear that voice you don't hear that uh, no, the no emotion tone. or yeah. what's you know what they're thinking what they're saying anything like that you just fall into it yeah you know what just... i'm really glad didn't exist what back back when i was younger was these bumbles and tinders and all oh, that all stuff that? like holy smokes i'm what's... all on it man i i know but it just yeah. I, it's it's the whole concept is crazy to me that like all right you know swipe nope swipe nope Yep. It's crazy because yep. it's basically just a DTF app. Yeah. It's just like, are you down? Are you not? And then you have to meet and then realize, does their personality or who they are in real life match what you thought about in that moment? You or know what that I mean? picture that you saw. Or... Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's, that is crazy. The to me. issue is that I say, like, I, I realized when you meet someone at a bar, you are, you're having that, um, like oh am i down moment simultaneously as you meet them and talk to them so you're going oh i'm attracted to this person and then you get to see immediately whether you're also into them for anything else Mm -hmm. the app disconnects that so you have the (laughs) oh i would be and then you have to set up the time to meet them and then like most things Nine times out of ten, it doesn't work out. But it feels. I wonder worse. how many people end up married off of those apps. I think they're. I think more stuff is going positive from it. Like, That's crazy. I, I, it's just. It's. A, it's more of a numbers was, game. There for was sure. a time period where even when, uh, what are some of the dating sites that 
eHarmony, eHarmony, any of them. Yeah, where people. Well, I, were, I don't. Know, I have never used any of these, and I know all of them. <laughs> but I mean, there was a day and time where those things were looked at as like, oh my gosh, who would do that? Yeah, like just oh wow, you guys met online. But then you look at how many people started meeting their, you know, whether it was their spouse or significant other or whatever it is off of that stuff, and now it's evolved to the Tinders and the Bumbles, and and who knows what? Who knows what's next? I mean. Holy smokes. You watch Black Mirror. You ever seen that I show? I do. I do. And so, then, you know, so that's the where episode, having these yeah. discussions. That's what I'm thinking is Black Mirror in my head. I haven't made it through all the seasons yet, well, have but you I've seen made the it episode ways. about the, uh, the dating app? I don't know if I have. That one is one of the best ones ever. It's called. Was it early on? Because I'm still. It's the last, last season. I'm just barely season into four. the second season right okay. now. Okay. So there's a lot of stuff that will make you hate technology and go, what is going to happen? But then there's <laughs> one called Hang the DJ. Um, hang the. Like, kill him. Uh, but it's a, a, uh, a very positive one. I'd say if you're watching a couple and then, you know, you get in that black, mm-hmm. um, black mirror depression because it's so sad, uh, watch <laughs> hang the DJ because it has a, that, it's, it's always sad cause it seems so real. So as real. You're watching That's the best part like, wow, about the show that, is that you that go, okay, for sure. Now. This is going to happen. Oh, someone went 50 years from now. Wrote down what happened and then came back and filmed it. It's like the Twilight Zone modern that's version. It of it's Twilight a modern Zone. Twilight Zone, yeah. a thousand percent. That's that's crazy. And yeah, Hang the DJs is, is about dating apps in the future, and um, it's like a positive. It's a kind of uh, a little bit fucked up positive version of one <laughs> where like some stuff happens, but it leads you to realize whether you're going to be with the person you're going to be with or not. And it kind of also says something about dating, where how. There's different types of relationships, you right. know. There's the two week, this is great relationship, and then you realize, never mind. Yep. yep. There's the one, one or two night one, and then there's the six month one, and then sometimes there's the four year one that actually doesn't end up work. Like you know, right. there's different types of ones, and we all want it to be either two days or forever because we don't want to have to go through that four year <laughs> that and constant then, yeah process. exactly or the four year where you th- you think you're in it and then two and a half years in you realize oh shit this might not be happening that's the worst one but it, it it's kind it was kind of showing how all of those are important right so yeah i'd say i'd say i'd say check that one yeah, out i do need to check that and out. the dj that one's that one's I, real good there's I'm, i go hit or miss on black mirror for the same reason you said is because mm-hmm. like i watch it sometimes and i'm like man this is Wow, this is almost too real. It like, is. This is. It kind of scares me to think about how it could look here in, in the near future, or, or how some of it does look already. So I'll I'll go on binge watch and I'll watch three or four episodes. For sure, and, and then you got to pull back. Yeah, then I'll move on to something else for a little bit, and I'll come back to it. And you know, it just depends. It's uh, I, it depends on what else Netflix has at the time because that's pretty they much a million. What, that's I mean, that's what my TV is consumed by now. Is you know, you watch. We talked early on in this about how how things have evolved for racing and, and sports in general as to how people watch it and consume it. Well, it's changing for TV, too. If I can sit down and watch three episodes in an hour and a half as compared yeah. to watching one episode in an hour with commercials, that's what I'm doing. Yeah, screw it. Nonstop, yeah. Do you remember the first race that you ever saw or one of the first races? That is a good question. Because you said you got into a car at four and a half. Yeah. But you didn't even know racing was even – you just thought of it as something No, fun. I knew racing. We watched racing as okay. a family. And, and I, I can't tell you the first one um, that I watched on TV. I, I remember the first ones that I went to in person. And, and you know, Daytona was one of the very first ones at the, at the Daytona 500. One the biggest one, right? It, I mean, it is the biggest it, one. Is that it the is biggest our, one? Yeah, and that's what's unique about our sports. So when we get ready to start the Fox portion of the season here in a few weeks yeah. in, in February, we start at Daytona. That is our oh, Daytona's. Oh, yeah. You guys so we're start... backwards of all other sports. We Wait, and what? Well, yeah, well, but this is where racing's different, right? So we don't. Yeah. You go down, you you run a lap. Whoever has mm-hmm. the fastest single lap that that determines the front row. Then on Thursday, that happens on a Sunday. Okay, you go until the next Thursday, and then you go out and you run. Uh, these races that are called the 150s, and, and it's basically 150-mile races that line the rest of the field up. That's how you determine who's actually going to race and who isn't going to race. And there's, you know, there's it's it's a little bit of a complicated breakdown as to how you determine who gets in the field and who doesn't get in the field. Go but for it. I mean, I've, when I've, it's, yeah. When it's all said and done, you, you end up with your 40-car starting field okay. that's going to start on Sunday in the Daytona 500, and that is, that is the start of our season. This tells you how long our season goes. We literally start Valentine's Day weekend. Mm-hmm is the first competitive race. We don't end until basically Thanksgiving weekend, the weekend before Thanksgiving. That is a long-ass season. Damn. Like it just It's drug out for so it's incredibly like long. nine months. Yeah. 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 I, I would say NASCAR and hockey have the two longest professional seasons that there are, hands down. And it's a grind. It's 
for the guys, the crew guys, and the guys that travel and work on these race teams, mm-hmm. it, it is just it is pit crew. Oh, yeah. it's it's so tough on them. They they've got families, they've got kids, they've got everything like that, and they're you know they come back on a Sunday night after the race. They're going to the shop working on Monday morning. So they're, they're wiped. It's just yeah, they, well, they have jobs during the week. The guys that work on the car at the racetrack have to work on the car at the shop, too. So they know oh. So they know everything about that car, and mm-hmm. they, they know every inch to it. And, uh, you know, we're seeing some movements and possible changes coming to the schedule and, and things like that. And there's a lot of talk and chatter about that. So we'll see how that all works out. But I would be all for if we if we had a 25-race schedule instead of a 36-race schedule. It would be better. Oh, I think it would be the best thing ever. I mean, that would be is the it, perfect number. Is it kind of like baseball where there's way too many games? Yeah. And there's there's no point in having that many races? Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say there's no point in it. There is a point in it based on our current structure right now. Mm-hmm. It just takes too long. You know, there's there it's too long of a season. I, you know, baseball is a little bit unique because it's it, it's in a city and it's something to where if you get 20,000 people at a midsummer game, it's a good crowd. You know, people yeah. are still going to watch it. They've got their favorite team. I don't personally watch baseball on TV. I can't stand baseball on TV. But you give me a cold beer and a hot dog and tell me to go sit and watch a baseball game. Yeah, you'll do it all night long. Yeah, and nonstop. I go to we travel to cities and we'll go watch minor league teams because it's just it's relaxing. Cool, it's fun. Yeah, yeah. I'd rather do that than than anything else. I would be doing. Um, and I'm a sports guy too, so yeah. that helps. So uh, baseball is kind of an anomaly to me in mm-hmm. in the terms of how it just how it's basically presented to people and and where their where their revenue stream comes from and how the whole how the whole system works there. Um, but but. Nonetheless, it's if we had a, a shorter schedule, I think it would be much better for the pit guys and for I mean you and the, Just the drivers for the, whole, for the whole sport. I mean, I, not for me. Yeah. I, I'm not driving anymore. Yeah, so yeah, now true. that I've now that I've made that transition to the TV side, I say I'm not driving. Last year, I made the transition to the TV side, and yeah. I ended up in a race car for for 11 races when it was all said and done. Oh, so. really? Yeah, how'd that happen? Uh, we had somebody get uh, somebody get injured. One of the drivers okay. had some some health issues that he had to work around, mm-hmm. and he ultimately there that team called me because the with Fox, we only do the first 16 races of the year. Okay. After that, it switches to NBC, so we kind of transition back and forth. Really? They have a joint coverage of it? They do. Well, you can't cover it on multiple networks like football because we don't have – it's not two teams facing each other at different areas. It's, it's just it's one 40 event. 40 teams on one, one racetrack. Yeah. So there's really no reason to have two networks cover it with the same coverage of the same thing going on. And yeah, no one's going to watch one versus the other. Yeah, nobody's going to. Maybe they would because they like this coverage better than that coverage, or they like the, you know, all the other stuff that goes into it. Which it's a lot of airtime and money. And, yeah, and yeah. which I've learned, you know, over the past past year and a half uh-huh. as to how much goes into it. And it, it's crazy. I wish I would have had a better understanding when I was driving what actually goes into the TV side of the sport and how you present it to people and how it gets on air and and, like what? and everything that happens. Just the even the behind the scenes stuff, the simplest thing like how do how do you get a replay? You know, how does that pop mm-hmm. up? How how do you get the little clip of somebody on the radio talking in the race car and when they're mad and they're saying this effing car is not driving yeah. the way I want it to? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody there's there's somebody there that's listening and trying to find that and trying to get that clip. There there is a group of I, Man, I hate to put a number on it, but I'm going to say there's 200 people on any given weekend yeah. that are all responsible for making sure that race gets aired the right way and making sure that every little detail that's interesting or that's important gets to people. And um, it, it just. So they listen into you in the car. When oh, you're they listen stuff to you. Out there. They, yeah. If someone's listening to that and they're going, I need to cut this clip right now because most likely they're going to want to use this for a replay. Absolutely. And and there's Jeez. there's relevance to all that stuff. And, and, and it's like any TV production, right? I mean, I didn't understand the TV business or any of that stuff prior. I was a race car driver. Yeah, exactly. You were a driver. This year, now I'm starting to understand that. And I'm just like, wow. You know, when you go into the production truck and you see what the producers and the directors and and all the other people in that truck are looking at and how they're picking out what's what's going and how on the ball they've got to be. And then, by the way, they've got their announcers that they're listening to. they got other people talking in their ear. There is just so much, and it's so detailed, and... It uh, it's been it's been a lot of fun for me to learn something different. I mean, let's let's face it. it my, my background is driving cars and working on cars. It's not talking to people or putting stuff on TV. Yeah, yeah. Broadcasting. Now all of a sudden, yeah. yeah. Now all of a sudden, personality. You know, I'm out there broadcasting. I got yeah. to, I got to host a couple shows this year, which I have oh, cool. no clue how that even happened. Yeah. But, um, but it's it's been a really cool transition for me. And then on top of that, this year I did get to drive some races too. So how was that? I kind of got the best of all worlds. It was good. It was. It was a little bit of a reality check that when you're out of it. How long um, had you been out before? Basically, I hadn't driven anything in over six months. I hadn't driven a cup car Uh in over a year, but I hadn't driven a race car in over six months. 
and hopped right back in. It was like, you know. Is there a difference between a cup car and a race car? Well, uh, the Cup Series is tougher than, let's say, the Truck Series. Right, oh, it's yeah, way yeah. more competitive. It's a faster race car. Cup Series, like ones where they're going like 180. Yeah, yeah. they don't handle as good, and, and okay. you know they they do a lot of things differently. That's going to change this year because we have new new rules this year, and the cars are going to drive a lot differently than what they have in the past. Oh, they're but, switching it up. But that's a whole that's that's a whole another hour long conversation oh, yeah? to dive okay. into all that stuff. So so with that, I hadn't been in a Cup car in over a year. Okay, and it was like riding a bike. You hop back on it, and and it came right back to me almost Felt immediately. Good. Yeah, but there's a lot of the little small details and we're working in worlds of, of, you know, quarter, quarter inch or thousandths mm-hmm. of an inch, even make a difference and, and change really? the speed of the race car. And what I found was a lot of that little, little stuff to find that extra 10th of a second that might be the difference between running 20th and running 15th. That's what was really challenging was finding those little details. And if you're not doing it every week and if you're not immersed into it, which I hadn't been, I was, you know, I was on the sidelines and, and it was like, I throw them back in. Yeah, I was able to do good, but to do great, you got to do it all the time still. And, and it, it really, it, it was, uh, it was interesting to me. It was good. Cause I didn't have closure when I stopped, you know, when I, when I signed the TV deal to go, go yeah. start doing TV, I didn't really have closure on the racing side I'm of racing, things. Yeah. And I think I got a little bit of that closure this year. Uh, does that mean I'm not going to race again? No. Yeah, uh, you know, if, but it if felt it the, felt good. You yeah. were like, instead of just ending it and feeling like, oh, I didn't. Well, I got done at Homestead. I, yeah. I said, you know, if this is the last race I run, so be it. I'm okay with you, it. You know, it's it's. Uh, whereas prior to that, I didn't have that feeling. I didn't have that sensation. So you were still itching for it. Yeah. It's, so like, racing's like a drug, man. Yeah. Like it's just. I mean, it's like you're it, an addict. And it you want, is I've a never drug. done a drug, but it's. Yeah. That is my drug. That is. It is a drug though. That but adrenaline you're getting, and it's the adrenaline. The, yep. That that's. What a lot of drugs are trying to mimic is that feeling of the adrenaline and dopamine when you're hitting it because, man, I, my mom's car is like decently fast. Yep. And when I get that thing, when I go on the Shiptronics and I just kind of mess <laughs> around with it and I get it, I put it from the first gear to like fourth and I hit 70, I'm, I feel it pumping in me. Right. And so, so I can doing imagine- that for four hours straight. Or, yeah, and doing that also two and a half times as fast. Right. Because, I mean, it must it must be like- when you're done with the races, are you just zonked? Well, it, it's weird. So there's there's the physical zonked. aspect yeah. of yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I'm zonked, <laughs> but I might I'm, I'm tired. I don't know. There's the there's the physical aspect to it, then yeah. there's the mental aspect. And certain tracks are different, right? Mm-hmm. Like we, I ran one of the races I ran this year, it was 105 degrees in Las Vegas when we raced or 107, whatever the temperature was. Yeah, and there's no AC, there's it nothing. Was, yeah, I mean you get you get helmet, fresh air through your helmet, okay. but that's all you're getting. It's, when you call it AC, it's basically Whatever the outside temp is, it might be 20 degrees cooler than the outside yeah. temp or 10 degrees cooler. It's just getting a little air to your face so you can breathe. So you don't pass out. Well, so you don't get the fumes also. The carbon monoxide and stuff like that, you got to oh, be a little cautious. Oh, it comes straight into the car? Well, you got to be cautious about that stuff. Sometimes yeah. the cars can, you know, you're, you're driving around with a lot of exhaust and, and stuff like that coming around. So certain tracks are worse than other tracks. But, but I mean, it was 105 degrees, so you're sweating. It's hot. Oh, my God. You get done with the race. You're like, wow, man, I'm physically tired killed other tracks yeah. dover delaware for example you you're operating i don't know two g's every corner that you go through or whatever the number is you feel it that you're physically tired from that but you're also okay. physically tired from the heat inside the race car these cars are 140 150 degrees inside and, and that's that's at the core of where your body sits when you the lower you go the hotter they get the so lower the lower the, in the car so like if you oh, were okay. if you were to take a temperature where uh-huh. my head is in the race car okay that might be 130 if you were to take a temperature where my feet are that might be 180. Seriously? Just because of the heat from the exhaust Holy. and everything else. Because where's the engine in the car? Is it like in the middle? For, no, it's forward-facing. Oh, it's forward? So okay. forward-facing engine, and you sit right behind the exhaust pipe. So the exhaust pipes, Why a lot they? of times, run underneath the driver's butt, oh. and they you know they go out the other side. They go out the, the passenger the side of the yeah, car. Yeah, they have the... But, but it's still going under there with all the ambient you. heat. Yeah, yeah. Your, your feet, and you know, those things are red hot during a race oh, because yeah. it's... It's designed to to basically perform at high temperatures and and to be at its best. The the more RPM, the more temperatures you get. So mm-hmm. it's uh, you have races like that. Then you have races like a Talladega, for example, which is where we which everyone knows because of the movie. Yeah, Talladega yeah. and Daytona. We're three wide, four wide, five wide, and we're in this big pack of cars, and we're mm-hmm. all bunched up. Those races aren't physically tough. They are mentally tough, and I'm more tired after those races. I'm zonked after those okay, races. Okay, yeah, because you've just that. been like wide open. Well, How am been, I gonna? You've been within two inches of every other car in the field. Okay. Sometimes in the middle of two cars, maybe in the middle of four cars. Whatever, whatever position you're put in, 
yeah. trying not to crash, also trying to drive a race car that's wanting to move around, that's wanting to dance because when the air hits it, best way I could explain it is anybody that's ever driven on an interstate knows when you get behind a big truck, your car starts buffeting and it moves around differently. Yeah. The closer you get, it changes how it moves. The further back you get, it might move more or less. Even yeah. right next to another car, that air can make your there car move around. Right. Well, And the cars are pretty light? Well, we're going, no, the cars are like 3,400 pounds, oh, okay. but we're going 200 miles an hour. So the air coming off of that thing is, is moving it like crazy. Now, yeah. if you're in the middle of two cars, you don't know which way it's going to go. So you're, you're mentally exhausted from just, just that focus. Just holding you have the wheel. Such, you have such a, a high level of focus that, that's okay. required for it that you're drained. You get out. I sleep better after those races than, than any anything. Of them. Yeah. The, the physical thing I can deal with that. The mental thing is like, whoo, it's tiring. Cause you know, you know that it, when you're between those cars or where you're all bunched up, the amount of time it takes for something to go wrong is it's almost unreactable. Oh, absolutely. If something ha- like if a car in front of you swerves, you're just you're just trying to not you're you're just trying you're trying to crash gracefully, basically, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I yeah. want to hit the wall as little as possible exactly. at that point. If you know you're going to wreck, stop flipping. Well, I mean, if somebody up yeah. in the front of the field does something and, and they mm-hmm. make a mistake. I'll be honest with you, it's you can you can get wrecked in a race and do nothing wrong, but because it happens so quick and it happens, it, you have this this tenth of a second, fraction of a second that you've got the ability to make the right or wrong move. Yeah, that's and that's why some drivers they it's not their favorite thing to go race what we call the super speedways and, and those tracks where you're bunched up in a pack. They'd rather go to a track where you can get away from each other and and so have what's a little the bit of space. Between the super speedways and then those like small or the the tracks you're talking about, like. Uh, Delaware or Las Vegas, where you you so, say so Vegas is a mile and a half. Okay, um, Delaware track, is a yeah. one mile race track. Then we got places like Bristol that's a half mile, Martinsville uh-huh. is a half mile. The speeds come down, you know, as you go to as you go to the smaller tracks. Typically, the speeds come down. Um, and when we go to Talladega or Daytona, that's a two and a half mile racetrack. And okay. because it's so big, they got they have to put what they call a restrictor plate on the car. It's like a governor, you know. Okay. It's like saying your street car can only go sixty miles an hour, and it can't yeah. go above that. This is where it's going to be. It's going to stop it. That's yeah. the you know they'll put those on the cars when we get to those racetracks because if if they didn't, we'd be going two hundred fifty miles an hour. The cars could hit that. The concern. Damn. I mean, we don't even know what they could hit. To be perfectly honest, really, right now, we we have a general idea where they could uh-huh. be, but. The problem is, as you go that fast, we don't have the ability to keep them on the ground, right? So oh, you, they stop catching. I mean, lift? You, when you when you go forward, you have downforce. If you spin yeah. out and go backwards, that downforce becomes lift because everything's built to go a certain direction through the air. So once it goes backwards, that's why you see some of these oh. big wrecks where the car just, oh, just magically start, goes up into the air. Oh, because it starts slowing down and the wind is pushing the opposite oh, way shit. or it gets underneath the car so yeah because so the spoiler is meant like a reverse wing right but then if you're slowing down and the wind is coming forward then it's uh, just a straight up wing and it just in general the air going under the car you yeah know, these cars there's more technology underneath these race cars now mm-hmm. that we can't see than there is above them everything you yeah. can see on the top of the race car most of the teams can watch it and keep each other in check and and know what this guy's doing or that guy's doing underneath you can hide that stuff a little bit better and, and yeah. get away with more so we they they regulate the speed more so than anything just to just out of for safety. out of safety's sake and it's it's not not even so much for the drivers we sign up for it right like yeah. we know the danger element to it. that's why fast. most of us do it is because we like mm-hmm. that danger element of it it's it's to make sure that if there is a wreck that the people that are there watching stay safe if cars go airborne it gets tougher to control where that car is going to go it could go over it, the fence i mean yeah. they've, there's been so much technology built into the roll cages and the and the catch fences and everything else now the the idea is is we hope that it doesn't and we've seen a number of wrecks where the catch fences kept the race car in the racetrack but it's been close it's it there's there's some that have been very close i've been involved in a couple of them that were close and it's just were like, you wow. in the car uh not the car that went into the fence but oh, yeah, yeah. I've, I've been involved in enough wrecks where the car there have been cars that have gone to the fence and there is nothing more terrifying you than knowing that. You worry about your competitor, but you also yeah, you know worry about, okay, did a part and piece get into the stands? And, what happened to the people? Someone, yeah. yeah, well, I mean, people are there to watch. and But let, let's be honest, too. People that come to watch a race, they know, you know, they know there's a danger element, too, and, and they and like they the danger side the of the sport. Crashes, they want to yeah. see the crashes. That's It's like fighting know, in hockey. We talked about Twitter, yeah. right? People Exactly. People, people want like that, crashes. that little meme <laughs> or, the, or that little gif of someone crashing. And go, everyone went going, oh, shit. And then they, yeah. And, but it's that moment. It's that moment when the guy gets out of the car, right? You see a wreck that you're just like, mm-hmm. how could anybody survive that? That looks yeah. so terrible. 
and then that moment of they get out of the car and they're like, "Wow, that is so amazing!" And and, and it's some sort yeah. of like an I don't want to call it euphoria, but it's something happens in a person's body. It's something some chemical or something. I don't, yeah, yeah. I'm not smart it's enough that to adrenaline. know. Yeah, yeah, that they're that they think that that's cool. And man, could I have could I have walked away from that? He just walked away from that. Or I think I they have? go what I mean. What I know, what I think is like I wonder what it was like for that guy in that car. Right. Because I mean, have you been involved in any crazy wrecks? I've had probably in my career. I've I've only flipped once in a cup car or in a in a stock car, I yeah. should say, which is basically a full size race car. Yeah. Um, that one was a little bit wild, but honestly, the flips aren't aren't. I would rather the flip that I had. I would rather flip than hit the wall because okay. it was just it was more cushioned. It felt like a softer impact on everything so you that just happened. Flipped and then did you go into the grass? Yeah, flip a couple times, went in the grass, uh-huh. and then it just slid on its wheels. And you know, I hopped out when the when it was done wrecking. Um, I had a I had a wreck, and I think it was two thousand would have been two thousand twelve, maybe yeah. early on in two thousand and twelve, um, or late two thousand eleven. I can't remember which race it was, and I got clipped at one of the big tracks that we talk about, and I got clipped in the right rear. And when mm-hmm. I got clipped, it sent me headfirst into the wall at a mm-hmm. really bad angle. And you know, I think the most famous wreck ever is, is Dale yeah, Senior. Yeah, and everybody, it was basically I hit at that same angle. But because of that accident and everything that we learned and all the the knowledge that came out of that when About we started immediately, well, the reality yeah. was, you know, race car drivers for a long time we thought were not invincible, but but we really just there there was there was a lot of things that existed that could make the sport safer that I think out of stubbornness none of us wanted to pay attention to and none of mm-hmm. us wanted to evolve it and start using that stuff. Well, then when the man who everybody thought was one hundred percent invincible yeah. loses his life on a race track, that is. You know that is the moment where you, yeah your eyes open up and um, as as terrible as that was and as much of a tragedy as as that was more has come out of that. It saved a lot of guys for our sport. I, I can't tell you how many race car drivers it saved since then. You know there's we can say well that guy might not have walked away had it been this way or that guy might not have but the but the reality is it saved lives and it changed the sport and what changed um, we we pay more attention to the safety. Mm-hmm. aspects of it we, we've built into these race cars these hans devices these special seat belts these new yeah. seats that that create a cocoon and, and do things different for the drivers and with all of that i had a wreck that was a similar yeah, angle a similar it, impact then- i felt all that stuff work but the the first thing that crossed my mind when i stopped wrecking was number one wow my nuts hurt number two because <laughs> my seat belts got me yeah number two wow i can't breathe because i came so far out of my seat and my seat belts you know it, if you've never been in a car crash you know, a car crash is one thing because the seatbelt takes a second to grab and it's yeah. not a five point or a seven point or a nine point harness like we run. Well, we run our belts extremely tight. Like I can't move my torso when I'm in a race car. I physically felt my body come out of the seat and then yeah. retract back into the seat, probably five, six inches, which is the stretching of a, of a seatbelt. That's how it works. Yeah. And, and I remember when I stopped wrecking, I'm like, holy cow. Well, I'm, I'm still here. Uh-huh. So that's a good start. Everything hurts really bad. Um, so that kind of sucks, <laughs> you know, I, there was, and, and I literally after the wreck had seatbelt bruises Marks. on my whole body. It was, I, it looked like I was wearing a set of seatbelts cause I hit so hard. Oh, it was that bad. And, and that to me was like, wow, you know what, this is, this sports come a long ways because had those wrecks in the past not happened, had we not learned from things like that, how many drivers could have been hurt since then? So it, uh, you know, sports, it's come a long ways and, and it'll, it'll continue to go a long ways. I think we had 2000, you know, 2001, we had that reality check, unfortunately. Yeah. And because he went straight into the wall and then stopped, did your, did your car move or had you, you, did you go into the wall and then you were, your, your seatbelts just helped you out and go, um, Kept you safe it, by whatever. It, it stopped. I mean, and we measure everything in G and yeah. G load spikes now. Yeah, and, you know how many G load spikes you got? <laughs> yeah, I don't know that. <laughs> they, NASCAR tries to keep that stuff, you know, kind of for yeah. them. They they let the drivers. I'm sure they told me. I, I, I and yeah, obviously, yeah, you're point. like, I don't really want to know that. Yeah, well, I mean, the drivers when when they are in a wreck, they'll give you that information. And and again, because we study it now, you know, we've got these little black boxes in the race cars mm-hmm. that can that can give us all that stuff. There's even a camera. They just implemented this year a camera that sits in the race car. Every car has it. And it's just a, a camera that f- basically monitors the driver in their event that there's a wreck. They'll gra- they'll grab that camera yeah. and they can actually see what happens to the body when there's a wreck and directions that it goes. Because oh, for wow. the longest time, if if there wasn't an in car camera, guessing. yeah, you're just kind of yeah. like, okay, let's go let's go hit a car into a wall and see what the, the, the crash does. test dummy does yeah. and what are the spots we need to worry about. Well, now we're taking it to a whole nother level. And you know, I think the reality is is 
it'd be great to see that technology at some point be able to go into streetcars and, yeah. and help save people in streetcars and, and whatever it may be. I mean, I don't think you're ever going to see a day and time where we have airbags and race cars because it's, it's weight mm-hmm. and it's different. But, exactly. Um, but who knows? That's awesome. Well, man, I, I actually got to get out of here. I got to freaking drive to Serenity right now. But thank you so much for doing this. Yeah, I heard you got a, you got a little bit of a, a, a tight day to hear, here today. Yeah, yeah, I'm getting out of here. I'm going to use some of the, uh, the race car vibes to get over to uh, drop off the car and get driven to Charlotte. And then I'll be uh, going 600 miles an hour over to L.A. So um, <laughs> Well, that'll be, that'll be much better than going 200 miles an hour to L.A. Ex- that'll yeah, be a little yeah, shorter you know trip what? Yeah, it'll you. be a tiny bit shorter, <laughs> man. Um, where can people find you online? Yeah. Uh, Usually my Twitter. That's the best okay. place for me. Uh, it's just Regan Smith Regan on Twitter. Smith. Cool. Uh, Instagram, same thing. Regan, Regan Smith, Smith on Instagram. Don't have Facebook. I have a Facebook, but it's yeah, like my Twitter. It. I don't use it actively. And uh, website, regansmith.com. Awesome. The more people are going to get involved in uh, NASCAR watching it, watching you on Fox. I hope so. Daytona and 500 the, is coming it, up. Our, second February, week of February. What is it? Second week of February? Second week. Uh, okay. I should know the exact the, date. I think it's week, February 17th the or The week after. Is it a Sunday? It is a Sunday. I'll yep. tell you Daytona right is always on a Sunday. Always on a Sunday. Let's see. And we'll end with that date. Second week in February. February 17th. February 17th, guys. Check out Regan on Fox Broadcasting for NASCAR, right? Come to you from Pit Road. Come to you from Pit Road. Thank you so much, <laughs> Regan. Man. Hey, thank you, man. <laughs>